902 Brewing Company is the official beer of the Wager Pager podcast. Our friends over at 902 are putting out some of the best local craft beer in the Garden State. Log on to 902brewing.com to check out some of our favorite beers, like Juicy City IPA and Path Pale Ale. Or come grab a growler at the 902 Brewing Company tap room opening soon on Pacific Avenue in Jersey City, New Jersey. Are you tired of losing at sports betting? Start winning with Kingpin.pro. With Kingpin.pro, you can follow proven sports bettors and handicappers. Each user is required to put in their picks prior to each game. Kingpin scores and ranks users for total winnings, not units, as well as win percentage. This gives you, the sports better, the ability to follow not just winning cappers, but more importantly, consistent winning cappers. You can easily get instant notifications of picks by downloading the Kingpin.pro iOS or Google Play app. Download the app and register with promo code WAGER. That's promo code WAGER, and you'll get a 10% discount off your purchase. Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager podcast with Chris Rogers and Brock Landers. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Wager Pager podcast, where we talk sports gambling, make picks, and conduct must-hear interviews with some of the sharpest minds in the industry. I'm your host, Chris Rogers. You can follow me on Twitter at WagerPagerChris, and please follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at the Wager Pager. This is Season 2, Episode 19, the first episode of 2020, recording live from Van Voorst Film Studio here in Hoboken, New Jersey. That's right. We're coming to you from the mecca of sports gambling, our home state of New Jersey that won the Supreme Court battle and made the regulation of sports betting all possible. We have another special episode for you guys this week. It's the NFL Playoffs Divisional Round, and we've got legendary Las Vegas bookmaker and author Chris Andrews returning to the show to talk about his career as a bookmaker and get a peek behind the counter for the NFL Playoffs Divisional Round. But first, joining me, my co-host... One of the sharpest gamblers I know, my guy with 18 New Jersey betting outs, and someone who cashed a Minnesota Vikings money line ticket last Sunday. Here he is, the Jose Juan Barea of Gambling Twitter, Brock Landers. Thank you very much, Chris. You can follow me on Twitter at BrockLanders41. JJ Barea, the Maverick of the Week. I'll take it. Legendary. Love JJ. The pride of Puerto Rico. Yeah, he's uh, only the seventh Puerto Rican player to play in the NBA. I guess he's on his uh, second stint with the Mavs now, right? Yep, he signed that mega deal with uh, Minnesota right after they won the championship. I think that was maybe, yeah, probably that offseason right after they won the chip. He got a pretty big deal from Minnesota, and then uh, they took him back, I think, off of a trade or whatever that was. But he's awesome, man. I I really hope he goes down and is like one of the, the great glue guys of all time on the Mavs team. And, you know, he gets very you know, lost in that championship team. He was huge in the finals when they made the switch uh, to start him in those last games. Um, so, yeah, J.J., always a special place in my heart for J.J. Barea. Yeah, dude, always liked uh, watching him play, uh, somewhat of a defensive stopper, uh, you know, hustling all over the floor. And uh, another interesting thing here is uh, Mavs owner Mark Cuban uh, lent him the team plane after uh, – the uh, hurricane down in Puerto Rico. So uh, they flew down food, water, supplies, and the Mavs team plane made that trip five times, delivering a total of more than 100,000 pounds of food, water, and power generators. Oh, good, good story. Stuff. Yeah. I remember seeing JJ, too, as a, as a rookie uh, his first year with the Mavs. I remember meeting him at a Nets game before in a shoot-around uh, at the old Continental Airlines Arena. And super cool dude, man. A lot of people were there, too, with the Puerto Rican flags. I, I really didn't know too much about him. And then uh, I remember my buddy looking at the program. He's like, oh, this kid went to, uh, I think, what was it, Northwestern? Northeastern. Northeastern. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So pretty cool. J.J. Barea, the Maverick of the Week. All right, coming out of uh, NFL wildcard weekend, man, I didn't do too well. I think I pushed on Buffalo and lost the other three games. I should have tailed you, bro. You were telling me all week, take the Vikings, but I got sucked in like a freaking sucker. You know, made some money on the Saints this year, had a couple futures positions, so I, I couldn't resist. 
not taking the Saints, and uh, we all know what happened there. What a wild week, man. I mean, pardon the pun, wild card weekend, though, lived up to it. I mean, I think this was one of the best wild card weekends. Usually you get maybe one good game out of the four. Usually the home teams do pretty well in that first round, but every game was really good. I mean, the last game was kind of, you know, up and down in the end. I mean, Wentz left the game, um, so that kind of was a, a strange game, but we kind of had a feeling that game was going to be weird. 17-9. Uh, you know, Seahawks now get to go into Green Bay. Um, but a lot of good games. I don't know. How'd you feel about officiating wise? I thought everything was pretty well officiated, but I'm seeing now Monday morning a lot of people complaining about uh, the call too in, in New Orleans. Did you think that that was a, a push off there in the end with Rudolph? You, I feel like you can't call that in a playoff game. Yeah, I mean, the offensive uh, pass interference is always tricky. I feel like it gets called way less than defensive. It, it's just kind of weird how it, the Saints were the team that they made the rule for, <laughs> right? And then it kind of backfires <laughs> again right. against them. It's just. But I agree. You, you can't call that there. No. It, it was a one-on-one -on -one situation. I mean, I, I looked at the replay a couple times. I mean, obviously, I'm glad it didn't get overturned or anything. But, yeah, I thought it was just too too close to call in a, in a game like that. Totally. Totally. Two overtime games, like you said. Almost every, all four of them went down to the wire. What a start by the first one. What a, what a way to kick off the weekend. That Bills game was absolute madness oh my god madness man. especially the last quarter the fourth quarter was amazing and even into overtime they traded what two possessions back and forth I think? oh yeah very yeah. very uh very interesting overtime game i was in a bar in new york city tons of bills <laughs> fans in there you could oh. barely move in the place it was nuts and just i think i called you right after the game yeah i've never seen anything like that that was a wild game how the hell did Deshaun watson break loose from that that safety, I mean, that uh, that sack. That was unbelievable. He looked like he got corkscrewed. Two guys yeah. coming in. You were telling me it looked like he's going to have his head taken off. I saw it coming in slow motion. I was like, oh, man, he is going to get laid out. And then all of a sudden, boom, spins right around the one guy. The other guy falls into the other guy. Uh, I was, like, shocked. I was like, I can't believe that just happened. He's, he's a tremendous athlete, though. I'm glad to see uh, he advanced to the next round now, and uh, I think him and Mahomes, that should be a pretty damn good matchup. Yeah, and dude, those were not light hits. He got no. smacked on no. both sides. It's like all of a sudden he just turns around and he's off for 30 yards. I was like game over at that point. And what, how do you feel about the overtime rule in the playoffs? Does that need to be changed? Uh, should both teams touch the ball like they, they get a chance to in the regular season? No. I mean, I, I'm really not a fan of this uh, overtime. I, I liked it the way it was. You win the toss, you get the ball. You know, what, what are you going to do? You know, uh, I'm not really too big of a fan of, you know, trade back and forth or if you score a field goal, the other team gets a chance. Not a big fan of that. Um, so I've, I've got no beef with the, the overtime, I guess. Doesn't that, after 60 minutes of play, though, put a lot into that, that coin toss right there? Life's a gamble, Chris, you know? <laughs> what a time to be alive. What a time to be in New Jersey. I'll tell you what, though. How about Josh Allen? My my guy, Josh Allen, he looked he looked really rattled there in the end. Uh, throws a 40-yard a bomb down to the fullback. I mean... He he was uh, running down the field, tries to pitch it back to the guy with like two minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, I guess the nerves of the playoffs kind of rattled him there, but good experience for Josh. And I guess let's get it over with now. Let's talk about it. New England uh, yeah. loses to Vrabel. I didn't see that coming. I yeah. really didn't. Um, Tennessee, you know, uh, what's his name? Derek Henry just gashing them for like eight yards a run yeah they couldn't stop him they had no no answer for him which was incredible and Tannehill when it counted the most in some of those big plays at the end there just to get a first down uh he did not get rattled he almost lost a ball there on on one of those I, I want to say with maybe like three minutes to go yeah but uh I, you know as someone that that supports the Patriots and as a Patriot guy through and through um I felt really good for Vrabel I was always a Vrabel guy. I like Mike Vrabel a lot. And to see him going to Foxborough and kind of outcoach Belichick there and even how great was that scene uh, with him bleeding the clock there with the false starts and Belichick freaking out on the sidelines. Yeah. That was good stuff, man. I, I've got nothing but respect for Vrabel, and I'm glad if there was a team to knock him off, it was, it was Vrabel uh, to do it. And, hey, I think they've got a shot this week, man. I really do. 
I think they're playing with a lot of confidence right now. And I told you a couple of weeks ago, Titans, they, they do everything pretty good. I mean, there's not really a, a section that they're, you know, completely falling off with. A lot of teams, you know, smoke and mirrors. They can't do some things, but they do everything pretty exceptional. And usually when you can do all those things, you're, you're going to be a pretty good team. Um, but I really like the games this week. I think we got the best matchups pretty much possible. I mean, we're going to get to see Mahomes this week and Watson. Uh, you get to see Lamar Jackson take the field as the number one seed. Garoppolo's first game uh, in the playoffs. Uh, a lot of good storylines, and uh, hopefully it makes for some uh, interesting betting and, and ride the Kirk Cousins train. Yeah, Baltimore, uh, I'm I'm wondering if they're going to be a little rusty now. I feel like they uh, are a team that relies on rhythm, and they've been been in rhythm all year. How do you how do you feel about them sitting out a week? Do you think that's going to affect them at all? It could. It, it really could. I mean, the thing is, I think uh, Harbaugh is such a good coach, so I think he's probably got these guys, you know, in a, on a good game plan as far as what they're going to do. But, I mean, I think they're going to have their hands full with Tennessee. I, I don't see them steamrolling them. I think it's going to be a pretty close game. I know some of the lines came out uh, at 10, and those things got gobbled up pretty quickly. I'm pretty much seeing, like, 9 now. Um, so apparently some sharps like uh, the Titans, and I don't blame them after from what we saw uh, this week. Pretty crazy. Both six seeds advanced to the second round. Yeah, has that ever happened before? I'm not I'd sure. have to double-check that. But, uh, yeah, like I said, usually wild card round you get maybe one shocking upset. But this week, a lot of good games, man. A lot of good games. And all unders. You know, usually yeah. I'm kicking myself in the ass. Usually I just close my eyes and bet every under and every underdog. I tried to get cute this week, took some overs, took a couple favorites. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I'm just on tilt, I think. I don't know what's going on, man. But turned out to be all four games under. Again, we'll talk more about the divisional round coming up. We got a great guest this week, guys. Uh, Chris Andrews, the director of the South Point Casino Sportsbook in Las Vegas, Nevada. Get pumped, get psyched. All right, guys, this next interview with Chris Andrews is proudly presented by our sponsor, 902 Brewing Co. Tonight, I'm sipping on a second string session ale. This is actually the sister beer to Brady's Nightmare. Don't worry, Brock, we're not going to pile on. We're not going to highlight Brady's Nightmare this week. I'm drinking the second string session ale. Little uh, lighter in alcohol, 4.7% alcohol. Many have come and gone over the years. This session ale is a second running of the starter, Brady's Nightmare. It's available in kegs and 16-ounce cans from 902 Brewing Co. What are you drinking tonight, Brock? Chris, I've got the Quantum Mechanics. This is a New England pale ale, 6.2%. A smooth, hazy base lets the tropical fruit, citrus, grapefruit, and orange flavors jump right through the can. Quantum Mechanics New England pale ale, 902 Brewing Co., Store cold, drink fresh. All right, guys, this week's guest is making his second appearance on the pod. We like to talk to him to get some insight from behind the counter. And what better week to do that than the NFL Divisional Round? You may know him from his appearances on VEASAN's A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander or as the author of Then One Day, 40 Years of Bookmaking in Nevada. He is the director of the South Point Casino Sportsbook in Las Vegas, Nevada. Here he is, friend of the program, Chris Andrews. You guys can follow Chris on Twitter, at Andrews Sports. Hi, Chris. Welcome back to the Wager Pager. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's my pleasure. So, Chris, for the people that may, you know, we're here in New Jersey, so, you know, this is still relatively new to a lot of people that aren't familiar with gambling. Maybe just give a quick little background of how you got involved in this crazy world of sports gambling. Oh, well, I'm just like everybody in New Jersey. I never made a bet before it was legal. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kidding. Uh, I grew up in a house with uh, my uncle, who I uh, speak of very fondly in my book and prominently in my book, Jack Franzi, who was really a well-known a well-known guy in small circles, in, in our circles of life. And uh, I grew up in a house with him. He was my uncle, but uh, we, we lived in the same house together, so I grew up with a very part of my a big part of my life, and uh, he he came to Las Vegas after being indicted for bookmaking and gambling and that sort of thing in Pittsburgh in 1970. He came out here. I followed 
it was years later I finally followed out here. Well, I was only 14 when he moved out, but I was uh, I graduated college in 78. By 79, I followed him out here and uh, started working at the Stardust, kind of a legendary place, moved over to the Barbary Coast, and uh, then went to the Calneva in Reno for many years and been back and forth between Las Vegas and Reno for a couple years. And right now I'm at the uh, I'm at the South Point in Las Vegas. I'm, I'm hoping this is my last job. I'm working again for Michael Gaughan after uh, almost 40 years of being in a way. So it's nice to be back home. Very cool, very cool. We uh, mentioned at the top here that, uh, Chris, you have a new book out. You guys can get that on Amazon. You can get that wherever you uh, they sell books these days. Um, it's called Then One Day, 40 Years of Bookmaking in Nevada. Would you be so kind to uh, maybe give us a short uh, sample of one of those stories that you can find in the book? I'll give a short uh, story that uh, I, I always kind of liked. Uh, when I was working at the Barbary Coast, so this was 1980 or 81, uh, we had the, the poker manager was a guy, really kind of a nice guy. I'm going to call him Stevie. That's not his real name. But he, whatever, like, heartbreaker the night before or the day before, whatever that was that cost you a bet, he seemed to be on that side every single time. And he'd come in, like, in football season, he'd come in on Monday morning, and he'd be, you know, MFing so-and-so for, you know, kicking a last-second field goal or throwing a last-second interception and whatever it was every single week. And it, it became kind of a running joke. I mean, and this he was just one of those guys. It happened all the time, too. Anyway, we had another guy, the guy that worked under him. And, again, I'll use a fake name. His name was Larry. And he would come in. And I, I, I was just a ticket writer at the time, so I didn't know what was going on. He'd come in and he'd say, give me $22 on both sides of every single NFL game. <laughs> And I'm, what the hell is this guy doing? What kind of scam does he have working? You know, so I would write the tickets, twenty-two dollars on each side. And this went off for a couple of weeks, and and I didn't know what was happening. Finally, a guy told me, and then I got to witness it myself. Stevie would come in, and no matter who that heartbreaker side was, no matter who it was, whatever, he'd start mfing and telling you about the game he lost. And Larry would pull out the ticket with the winner on it, you know, <laughs> and just show it to him for twenty-two bucks. And Stevie would go nuts. God damn it! How can you have the winner? I have the loser every week, and you have the winner every every goddamn game. You know, <laughs> and you know he started coming up. With, Could you give me his sides? Can you tell me what games he played? That was long. No, no. I he told me I'm not allowed to say. You know, he's a small better, but he picks nothing but winners. You know, of course he has both sides in every game. I didn't tell him that. You know, but he has both winners. He has both sides in every single game. So naturally, he would produce that winning ticket no matter who the winning side was, and uh, it just became a joke amongst our ticket writers for a while. We would just watch Stevie go crazy every single Monday or or Tuesday morning when it happened to be a Monday night game. And uh, for this guy who's blowing two bucks worth of juice on every single game, it was worth it to him just to bust Stevie's balls every single week. So that's just one of the little stories that's in the book and a lot of stuff like that, a lot of quirky characters in our racket. And uh, that was one. And uh, I always loved that story. But it was really, you kind of had to be there to just see how how funny it was because this guy was just the kind of guy that could just never win a bet, never, ever be on the right side, never. <laughs> Chris has a, a ton of amazing stories, guys, and I definitely recommend taking a look at the book. It's a lot of good stuff, especially if you're a beginner and you want to, you know, kind of get some background to the industry itself. Uh, nobody better to listen to than Chris. Uh, Chris, as we get into the actual world of sports betting, I mean, you've been in the business for a long time. Did you ever think you'd get to this point where legalization is so rampant now in the states? Well. Kind of yes and no. I mean, we, we've been wanting it and pushing for it for years and years and years. And we would always say, you know, we just never could figure out just the thought process of what was preventing it. But, you know, I mean, you know the way government works. And I'd like to say in America, but I've worked with some European outfits, and, and every government's the same way. Different things, of course. But, you know, it's gambling is one of the things here in America. And you just shake your head and say, geez, you know, I mean, we know what's going on. We know everybody's doing it. Why do we not just create, you know, a legal structure to provide legitimate jobs and taxation 
and tourism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why do we not do that? And, you know, you can never really get a straight answer from these guys. And, you know, like I said, I, I came out here in 1979. I know we've been pushing for it ever since then. So, I mean, part of me was just so tremendously frustrated thinking we'd never get this on. But part of me just thought, you know, where's the logic in not getting this on? And finally, uh, you know, I guess cooler heads prevailed. And uh, here we are with it legal. But uh, I hope we... I hope the industry moves in the right direction. Right now, I see them moving in a lot of wrong directions, and I hope they get that rectified sooner rather than later, because I think it will come eventually. I just know, don't know when that eventuality will be. Tremendous stuff, guys, on the Wager Pager podcast from Chris Andrews. You can follow him on Twitter, at Andrews Sports. Chris, let me ask you, I know when legalization first hit out here in Jersey, there were some people talking about how it may have a negative effect on Las Vegas and, you know, less people going there to gamble sports and stuff like that. Do you see that happening at all? Or, or maybe are we sending now some more educated bettors to Vegas because p- more people around the country are doing it legally? Well, I said from the beginning that I thought it would grow the market. You know, and like I said, a lot of people obviously have been betting for years and years and years illegally. But now that it's come to the fore and people can do it legally, it's just become much more accepted. And people do kind of know the rules and how to do it, how to do it our style away, rather than just calling your bookmaker and saying, you know, give me, uh, give me Clemson or give me LSU for a hundred bucks. You know, they know how to do it. And uh, we, we in Las Vegas, or we in Nevada, I should say, because it's been the whole state, I think we had a record handle just last month. Uh, the, the final month that we have figures for, so that would be November. So we had the record handle for that month. So it has not hurt our business. It's had the exact opposite effect. It has grown it, which I really thought would happen eventually. I thought it might hurt us a little bit at first, but it has not. We uh, we have grown uh, significantly since this since PAPSA did pass, and uh, I think it'll do nothing but continue to grow as the years go on. Because really, Nevada Nevada does it right. And some of these other states, I think, are going to try to catch up. Now, they have an advantage with us population-wise and that sort of thing. But Nevada does it right, and I think uh, we are going to really benefit from uh, the growing customer base. Chris, from a bookmaking standpoint with all the legalization going on, do you think we'll ever get to almost like a, a national-type line where if you know if you have a South Point app in Vegas, it'll work in New Jersey and it'll be the same line, or do you think that it'll always be kind of different shop, different line, different state? Well, another, that's another thing. I think it'll happen eventually. I'm, I'm 63 years old. I doubt it'll happen in my lifetime. It might, but I, I kind of doubt it. There's still... You know, I mean, you know, I I have about 30,000 followers on Twitter, so I, I have guys from around the world, and they notice it, and sometimes we take these things just kind of for granted in America, but there's like a Puritan strain that runs through our politics, and it has affected gambling, and the Wire Act is really kind of part of that. Now, the Wire Act was, and you can go through the history of it, there was a lot of stuff involved that uh, came about in the 60s. Uh, you know, gambling was a very small part of it, but now it's become a very big part of it. Now, to overturn the Wire Act that's been around for so many years is going to be very, very difficult. But at some point in time, there will be a grassroots movement to get this thing removed or just kind of, kind of remodeled, I would say, renovated with uh, you know just the way the world works now with you know the internet and and you know I mean back in the 60s and you guys weren't born yet, but I mean calling. You know, state to state was like a big thing. You know, it was not an easy thing to do. You know, now you just pick up the phone and dial it. You know, it wasn't that way. Uh, and it's, forget about calling, uh, you know, internationally. You know, so it, it just the world has changed that much that they really need to revise a lot of those laws that are just archaic. Someday it will be revised. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but I think it will happen someday. Very cool. Um what do you think, Chris, about uh, there's a trend going on. I know a lot of the bookmakers from uh, down in the Caribbean, Costa Rica and stuff are looking to get into the, the legal world here in the States, but they're being somewhat blacklisted. What do you think about that? It seems like these type of guys would be the, the number one guys for the job. Well, I, you know, in the early days in Nevada, and I'm talking about, you know, when my, when my uncle got here. So, like I said, he got indicted and that sort of thing in 1970. 
So when he got here, as long as you kind of cleaned up your act, paid your taxes, you know, kind of promised not to do anything crooked again, yeah, you were pretty much welcome with open, open arms. And a lot of that, uh, a lot of the industry was built upon guys like that. Now, since then, it has changed greatly that, you know, the corporations have taken over and, uh, you know, they frown upon people like that. And, and, you know, the world has changed quite a bit. And I do think guys like that, I know some of them, I don't know a whole bunch of them, you know, but I know some of them and they would be absolutely, uh, I think great contributors to our industry. And I wish they were welcomed with open arms as, as they were in the past. I I don't know if that's going to happen under the current, just under the current environment. I wish it would, but I'm not sure that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, Chris, we, we've got so many different apps here in New Jersey, and so many of them are that European-based model, and a lot of the pros that are here, they, they immediately get limited right off the bat, or, you know, they, they take a couple, you know, $100, turn it into a couple thousand, and right off the, you know, they're, they're limited immediately. Do you think New Jersey, or even some of these other states, will ever get an actual book like you guys that know how to book and will take action and take sharp players and move the lines on money rather than just strictly what everyone else is showing? Well, I sure hope so. Yeah, we're trying to. We're in a couple different markets right now, and uh, we want to expand as much as possible. And I think New Jersey would be great for us. But you know, we we do have that old style of bookmaking. You know, we don't uh, we don't move on air. And I always tell everybody, man, if you just sat around and see some of the morons and some of these other joints that are moving these numbers, and you're moving your numbers based on what they do, I mean, that's just ridiculous. You know, come in and you know, open your line if you have a good line. You have confidence in it. If you don't, you need to get somebody else, you know, running your joint. You know, but open your numbers, take the bets, and when you get bet, move it. I mean, that's the way this business worked for many, many years. And, you know, I know when I was a kid, you know, I always used to laugh. The bookmakers all drew, drove uh, Lincolns and Cadillacs, and uh, the, the players all drove beat-up Volkswagens. You know, so <laughs> that model works pretty good. And I don't, I don't know why it's changed so much. Uh, but that is the European style. I worked for a little while. Uh, I went, I, I, most of my career was at Calneva and then I left there. They asked me to come back to kind of help them with the transition as William Hill bought them. So I did work with, with them as they were being bought and trans transitioned into, uh, you know, William Hill. So I got to see the European model and I got to tell you, I did not like it. I, I didn't like it at all. And, uh, I haven't seen anything since then to make me like it. So, uh, I don't know. I hope that's not the model going forward, but right now it definitely is. And I hope that changes quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. We've got professionals here that we talk to on the shows and stuff, and they're still just using a variety of, of local outs or, or offshore. Sure. And they're, you know, the only way that they can get down in all these different games and make money is they have these bots and stuff like that. It's like they're, they're just New Jersey shutting them out when they can be even making more money and using their information. And it's just it's sad that, that that's the way it's going. Well, I think that model, they look a lot of percentage. And, I, you know, and I have always said, you know, I, I took my percentage down to the bank, but they wouldn't take it. They only take dollars. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, we want to be in the dollar business. We don't want to be in the percentage business. You know, in our per- percentage, like I look at ours, and, you know, and fortunately I work with a guy that kind of understands the business, Michael Gaunt, and, you know, he agrees with me. You know, it's not, you know, percentage doesn't mean nothing. It means, uh, you know, we, we, the dollars is what means something. And our business has continued to grow, and our percentage is a little bit smaller. You know, we don't we don't juice any you know, numbers like off the three or the seven or anything like that in the NFL. We don't do it in any sport. You know, so our percentage is usually a little bit lower. We use a dime line uh, in in March in the NCAA tournament. We use a dime line when possible in the Super Bowl on the money line. So all those things are major, major events, and we, we cut the juice in half. So, you know, our percentage just will not be all that great, but the dollars are pretty darn good, and that's what we're looking for. Great stuff, Chris. Um, we'd love to see the South Point out here in, in southern New Jersey down in Atlantic City one day. That would be great. Um, switching gears up here a little bit, let's uh, let's dive into the NFL Divisional Round Weekend. Maybe get a little uh, peek behind the curtain, what's going on behind the counter. Um, maybe some handle, what's going on with these games. Let's start off here on uh, Saturday, January 11th, the early game at 4.35 p.m. We have the Minnesota Vikings traveling out to take on the number one seeded San Francisco 49ers. Any early action? What are the Sharps doing? What are you seeing out there in Vegas? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, this was a game, I, listen, I, I think Minnesota gave them a lot of credit for winning that game. Yeah, they looked pretty good, um, you know, played well defensively particularly, made the big plays when they had to on offense, so I give them a lot of credit for that. However, I, you know, I don't want to let one game just influence me that much. I really think San Francisco is the best team in the NFC. You know, they got to stay at home. And, uh, you know, one thing I've, I've said for years, and, I, you know, you don't want to bet momentum in the NFL. If you do, you're going to probably get killed over the long term. But you could pick up some momentum late in the season with teams that are healthy. And having that extra week off really helps teams get healthy. I went back and looked, and these home teams are just very, very strong in this round. Not always against the point spread, but certainly winning the game. And I think uh, we opened the game seven when there was lots of six-and-a-halves around. As a matter of fact, it was almost all six-and-a-half. And I opened it seven. I thought it was a better number. And they came in and grabbed the seven off me right away. So I went to six-and-a-half. And since that time, uh, they've been laying back the six-and-a-half pretty strongly. So I went to seven uh, again today. And I, you know, I was the first one to go to seven. Now I see a whole bunch of it around. You know, So I think seven really is a better number in this game. I'm not really trying to pick the winner, but I think seven – is where this number should be. Just Niners being at home, rested, means a lot. Vikings going to be going on the road again. Uh, you know, they beat a very good team last week, and they're going to have to do it again this week. You know, that's just a, that's just a, a tough call to make for for these guys. And uh, and I, I I like San Francisco a little bit under the seven. Certainly, laying seven is always uh, you know tough in the NFL. So I'm not sure I'd be out there laying the price. But I think seven was a very good number on this game. I'm glad we're back to that number. Excellent analysis there, and that's uh, what's going on right now in Vegas for that game. We'll go now to the other game on Saturday, Chris. Eight fifteen, Tennessee going into Baltimore. Uh, what have you seen so far there? Well, there's another one. Um, you know, I I saw this open kind of higher. See, I think it opened. There was nine and a halves around, so I I opened nine, and I, you know I just I just got off my soapbox telling you how tough it is to win on the road. And I think it is tough to win on the road. And the Ravens, I think, have been really really good. Uh, excellent quarterback play with Jackson. Excellent coaching job with Harbaugh. So this is a very good team. They're they're the number one seed. They're the number one team right now in the NFL, and they certainly deserve to be that. You know, however, I think the Titans are playing some pretty good ball, and they they really have played well. Uh, since Tannehill has become the quarterback. And I really like Vrabel as a coach. I think he's going to do really well. I think we look back at his career, whenever that comes, you know, five years, ten years, we're going to say what a good coach he was. Uh, so I think this team can keep it close. So the nine and a half that opened, uh, I thought that was just a little bit too high. And uh, and I'm trying to see, they did lay me up to ten. Yeah, so they, they op- there was tens around. I opened nine and a half, looking to take a bet, and they did bet me. So I went to ten. They now this money started coming back on the Titans, and they took ten. They took some nine and a half. So I'm at nine on this game. I thought about eight and a half or nine is really probably the better number in this game. And I'm using nine. It's kind of a bookmaker strategy number for teasers. You know, if you're going to bet a six-point teaser, you only get to the three. Right? And if you're using eight and a half, you get below the three on a six-point teaser. So I think nine's a pretty good number here. And I'm looking – my ticket count is pretty close. A little bit more money on the Ravens. Uh, but that's okay. I think, I think the Titans have a real good shot of staying in there in this game. I think they kind of keep it close. Yeah, nine points seems like a lot. Uh, before we move on to the next game here, Chris, do you have any insight uh, into like traditionally how these uh, number one and number two teams that sit out a week, how does that affect their performance in the divisional round? Well, I don't have anything concrete to tell you, but I was reviewing it just the other day, and not not against the point spread, but they do win, you know, an inordinate amount of these games. And like I said, you're talking about you know the NFL, and we do have a bye week now, so that kind of neutralizes it a little bit. But you know, after such a grinding season, having that one extra week off, and of course you're playing at home, and that means a little something, and it's really meant something in the last couple of years. Now every game is you have to look at individually, and I go back and look at the uh, the Arizona Cardinals the team that lost uh, in the Super Bowl to the Steelers, uh, what was that, about 10 years ago. And uh, I remember them going into the playoffs, and many, many people thought that they were the worst team to ever make the playoffs. I mean, that was kind of what the talking heads were saying. 
all of a sudden they got a hot quarterback with, uh, you know, Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner, another guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame, Larry Fitzgerald. And they played some great ball, and they won a couple of games. That's all you got to do. You only got to win three to get to the Super Bowl with, for a wild card. So is it possible? Yeah, absolutely. But still, I think the home teams have a pretty inordinate advantage that they they did play, and they got, and they deserved. So they get what they they deserve. But I think these home teams have done really well in the past couple of years, and I think I think they'll probably continue to do well this year. There you have it, guys. Check out those home team money lines. Moving on to uh, Sunday, January 12th. The early game kicks off at 3.05 p.m. out here in the East Coast. We got the Houston Texans coming off a crazy overtime win versus Buffalo going into Arrowhead to play Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. How are we looking there? What's the handle looking like? Any thoughts on the game, Chris? Well, I, I like... You know, I kind of favor the Chiefs in this game. And when I say I favor them, I don't want to act like I'm picking sides. I don't really want to do that. You know, as a bookmaker, I'm just trying to put out the best number I can. You know, but this number opened like eight and a half. I opened nine. Uh, I I like the Chiefs a lot in this spot. Uh, I just think, again, having having been rested and the Texans, I mean, you know, they're a good team. and They played well. And I love Deshaun Watson. I think he's a terrific player. And Bill O'Brien, I think, gets probably – he gets knocked a lot, but he's really been a pretty successful coach. Not not so great in the playoffs, certainly, but been a pretty successful coach overall. But nonetheless, they're going into Kansas City, and I think Kansas City is one of those teams that's just gotten better and better, certainly defensively, has gotten better and better as the year has gone on. They've also gotten healthier offensively as the year has gone on. So I think there's a team that's really peaking at the right time. And, uh, you know, once again, Texans coming off a very difficult game and uh, very physical against Buffalo, and they'll be going against, uh, you know, a Chief team that, that's well-rested and at home. And I think I think they're going to have a very tough time against Kansas City. I kind of lean towards Kansas City in this game. and I'm, I'm going to keep trying to run this game a little bit higher. Uh, I see it a blank at nine and a half. And like I said, I, did, I was fortunate by raising it, by opening it a little bit higher, uh, I got some pretty good play on the Texans, plus nine, and uh, even plus nine and a half. So right now, I'm in a pretty good spot. I'm right where I want to be. I've got a lot of money on the Texans, not not getting the best of the number. So I have the Chiefs going for me. You know, usually a bookmaker does not get the best of the number. We get the best of the juice, but not the best <laughs> of the number. So right now, I think I'm in a pretty good position with this game. I like where I'm at. But good action. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you that on every game. Good action on every single game. <laughs> Chris says it with a smile from the South Point. Good action. <laughs> uh, looking into our last game here, Chris, Seattle going to Green Bay Sunday at 640 here Eastern. Any uh, action so far uh, on that game? Yeah, this is another one. It opened three and a half and four around town. I opened four. Uh, once again, I'm not crazy about the Packers, and uh, I think I think they've been a little phony. I hate to use that word, but I, I think they probably have not been quite as good as their record all season. They've won a lot of close games, and you know Rodgers. You know, God, I hate to knock him too much because he's been such a star for so long. But I think he's right now just a good quarterback. He's not he's not great anymore. Uh, but, he, you know, if you look at his raw numbers, they, they really were pretty good. Now, there's another team that's been uh, – got got their rest, got their week off, and, and they have not been, you know, tremendously healthy through the last part of the season. But as I say, the Seahawks have been much worse. They've had a lot of injury problems. Now, they wound up beating a Philadelphia team who was going in there with a ton of injuries themselves and then lost their quarterback after what? I think it was eight snaps or something like that and barely hung on to beat them. So, again, I don't want to go too much by just one game, but I do not like the way the Seahawks have finished the season. I don't think they've looked all that great. And now you're going up to Green Bay, and uh, I think home field can be a little bit overrated, but in this spot I think it plays well for Green Bay. Just the fact that they were at home uh, last week while everybody was playing, or while this team was playing, certainly. And I think that's going to play well for them. So I want to run this one a little bit high. Like I said, I opened a four when there's a lot of three-and-a-halves around. They did grab the four off me pretty quickly, so I got a pretty good-sized bet on the Seahawks. Went down to three-and-a-half, and laid it back a little bit. And uh, and I went back to four rather quickly. And I'm looking around, and it's almost all four. I see like one three-and-a-half out there on my screen. But other than that, it's all fours on this game. I think four is a much better number here. 
There you have it. Chris uh, covered the divisional round there. Chris, I got two follow-up questions for you. Uh, Hate to switch gears into a whole different league, but we do have a pretty big Monday night game coming up after those games, the college championship. Uh, What have you been seeing there as far as uh, from where it opened to where you're at now and where you anticipate? Well, interesting game because, you know, in the future book, I got almost nothing on LSU, (laughs) you know. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, tons of Clemson money. So right now, if you just go off the future book, uh, I'm rooting hard for LSU. Now, as I say that, all the money in this game individually has been on LSU. We opened the game four. We went as high as six before I finally took some playback on Clemson. So we are at five and a half right now, but I'm still looking. My ticket count uh, looks like at about three to one in favor of LSU, and the money pretty strongly in favor of LSU as well. Uh, like I said, I did get the six, and I took some money back at the six, and I'm back at five and a half, and that's pretty much what I see everywhere is five and a half on this game. Uh, I think that's okay. I, I, I thought four was really a decent opening number, and uh, you know, if I get up there and uh, you know we meet Clemson as a dog, I'm pretty happy with that. I think this is going to be a great quarterback matchup with two terrific quarterbacks, and you know Clemson. Um, they haven't gotten that much respect over the course of the season. You know, but they're a defending champion, well-coached, great players uh, in that lineup. And, of course, so is LSU. They've been terrific as well. But uh, I think this number has really gotten a little bit too high. And uh, I think if you could get six, that's a play on Clemson. Or if you get yourself a, a juicy money line, anything around $2, I think Clemson's worth a play at that price. Very nice. And Chris, uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit before. This was my follow-up question to that. Uh, any major liabilities over there for your futures as far as NFL is concerned? Any crazy uh, you know, tickets uh, out there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, if three of the four teams left in the NFC are not very good for me. So uh, uh, between Minnesota and the 49ers, uh, whoever wins that game, I'll be rooting against. I can tell you in the championship. Uh Seattle's not great. They're not terrible either, but they're not great. Green Bay's real good for me. So right now I'm going to be a Green Bay fan. I hope to see them in the Super Bowl. They're in the Super Bowl, uh, certainly at this point, with unless we get some crazy action, which often happens, I hate to tell you. But at this point I would say I'm probably rooting for Green Bay to, to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. I don't know if they're good enough, but, uh, you know, heck, they only got to win two games to get there. So I'm rooting for the for them now. In the AFC, it's the total opposite. I'm I'm in good shape with virtually everybody out there. So uh, you know de- them just uh, play and wherever the chips may fall, I'm fine with it. But uh, NFC is a little bit of a different story. Did you have any uh, type of crazy exposure with Lamar Jackson as far as MVP tickets or anything like that? I wouldn't call it crazy, but we do lose pretty good. Really? You know, it was one of those. Uh, we started. Uh, I thought it was going to be, you know, for a long time, I thought it was going to be Russell Wilson. And yeah. I'm, I'm a huge Russell Wilson fan. I think he's right. terrific. And uh, so, you know, listen, I don't want to put my opinion too much into something like that because I don't know how it's going to wind up. But we took action on, on those guys, and we had some on, you know, on Deshaun Watson and even, you know, Saquon Barkley and stuff like that who was out of it pretty quick. You know, so we had a lot of, a lot of play on it, but uh, – you know, we're gonna lose on Jackson. Uh you know, not a ton, but you know, but we're we're definitely gonna lose pretty good on him. So, you know, we'll just we'll just have to lick our wounds and go to work again the next day. That's all we can do. <laughs> all right, Chris. Um you guys are well known for your vast array of uh prop bets for the Super Bowl. Do you anticipate having a larger menu this year or just going balls to the wall? What do you think? Oh man, we I forget what the count was, like three fifty something, you know. And uh, God, I got to tell you, that's about enough. You know, we did really good with him. You know, although the one guy, uh, I won't say his name. He's a, he's kind of a I don't know him real well, but he's, he's I kind of like him. He's a good kid. He beat us. Uh, he had the uh, Rams to score exactly three points, and he beat us out of a hundred thousand on that. And it was just one of those where wow. we had a really good day, even with that bet. And uh, my boss, Michael, just being the guy that he is, he loved it. He thought it was great because it got all over ESPN and everything that this guy uh, cashed a $100,000 ticket on us on, uh, 
on this you know, really pretty crazy bet. I think the total was in the 50s, if I remember correctly. And uh, he bet the Rams to score exactly three points, beat us out of 100,000. And uh, like I said, there's a guy, a guy I know, a guy I kind of like, and, uh, you know, he's a regular customer of ours. So Michael thought it was great that he did that and got on ESPN and everything. So, uh, Despite that, we still did pretty good on the props, so I hope to do pretty well on them again this year. But uh, I, th- I think we're about maxed out. At least I hope we are. I don't want to go any further than what we're doing right now. Chris, you don't have to give away all the secrets for the props, but is that something that you guys do the week of? Is that something that you guys kind of have an idea after the championship games are over? Like, how does that process even start? Well, yeah, pretty much. Well, there's some of them that we, you know, in the past, I've put them up, you know, early in the year. Like, you can bet the coin toss now. I think nobody does it, of course, but it's up there. You can bet, you know, will there be a safety or won't there? I can't remember the prices, but those are really pretty standard, you know. But uh, the other stuff, we start looking, uh, you know, once the championship game is set, and we start looking at, you know, players, and we look at uh, totals and, you know, quarter totals and halftime totals and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, we start thinking about it, and then come about Thursday is I think we start putting the first round up, and uh, we're we're usually not done putting them up. You know, it takes a while doing all the setups computer-wise, you know, right. and printing and all that other stuff. So we usually start, like, on Thursday, and we don't get finished really till like, the the following Monday. And then Saturday, like Saturday, uh, we'll put up some more of the cross-sport parlays. Uh, you know, with NBA players or college players and stuff like that. Once we get, you know, better, you know, you've seen how many injuries or, you know, load management they're doing in the NBA this year. You know, so we, we try to get the latest information on that, and then we'll put up some cross-board parlays the last day or so and uh, do some of that. So, I mean, it's fun. It's challenging. And, uh, you know, we, really, we we wind up doing a lot of business on it. Chris, are you guys monitoring the color of the Gatorade for all 32 teams throughout the regular season? <laughs> no. Yeah, we're in Nevada. We're not allowed to do that, you know, which is good. I'm glad because I have a feeling we'd put it up there and somebody would know and we'd get screwed on that. So we don't do that. <laughs> all right. Before we let you go here, one last question. Um, any crazy beats that stick out in your mind over the years uh, in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl that was either good or bad for the house? Well, you know, usually you remember all the bad ones, you know, but I do remember, you know, the two what was it two years ago when uh, when Diggs caught that pass against New Orleans and scored. Yeah, that was huge for us. It was a huge, huge turn for us, and I can't, I don't even remember what the number was or whatever, but we needed Minnesota to win the game outright, and I didn't think we had any kind of a prayer, and uh, you know, Diggs makes the catch, the guy misses the tackle, and I think that was probably the most dramatic touchdown in the NFL since the Immaculate Reception, which was, you know, probably before you guys were even born. But I remember that one pretty good, too. So I think that was uh, that was a, a, you know, bad beat if you are on the wrong side. It was a pretty good win for us. Now, I usually don't remember the wins. I usually remember the beats. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Now, Chris, uh, to end on, on my note over here, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about horse racing a couple of years ago. We're both big uh, horse racing fans. Um, what was your overall thought on the Kentucky Derby this past year? I don't think I got to, to ask you about maximum security. What's your thought of that? Well, I didn't think he should have been taken down. I, I think I, I didn't like that call. I mean, I, I thought the I thought the contact was way more incidental than to take a horse down in the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the other horse he wasn't going to pass him. He wasn't going to win that race. You know, and that. You know, I, I I didn't like it. I just didn't like the way the whole thing went. You know, the other the, the one jockey claimed a foul. You know, I mean, I, I just the whole thing just stunk to me. I just didn't like it. But you know, I mean, uh, I mean that was a bad beat too. By the way, I did I had maximum security and uh, you know, and some exactness and everything else. And actually, I got beat on that. So, uh, so that was another bad beat. I didn't like that too good. So, uh, but you know, it's. Like I said, you lick your wounds and you come out fighting again the next day. <laughs> yeah, looking forward, though, to another uh, Triple Crown season. It's uh, approaching rapidly, and uh, hopefully we can get you on, maybe talk some horses in the spring. Oh, I'd love it. I'd love it. That's that's my passion. You know, I really I like that better than anything else. Unfortunately, I don't have the time to do it like I used to, but uh, 
But that's what I really like, and my wife always laughs at me. I'm, start, I'm we're we're moving to Pasadena, and I'm just going to go to the track every day. She says, okay, I wish you and your new wife all the success in the world. <laughs> <I'm> like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris, do you take uh, uh, horse racing bets there too, or is that a separate thing from where you are? That's a separate department. Yeah, okay. I have nothing to do with that. That's uh, you know, and that's one good thing about the South One. We have it in two separate rooms. We're oh, the okay. Ones in in Las Vegas that does that, but that's that's another thing that's really worked hard man as well. Nice, nice. All right, Chris. Before we sign off here, where can the people find the book? Uh, the easiest way is on Amazon. Uh, just go to Amazon. Look, look either me up, Chris Andrews, or the the name of the book. Then one day, or if you go to my Twitter feed, uh, I have it a pinned tweet. You can just click on that pinned tweet, and that'll take you right to the website, or right to Amazon, and right to the order page, and uh, you can order it from there. That's probably the easiest way. If you follow me on Twitter, uh, just do that and uh, and pick up the book. And I hope you. Want, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll probably enjoy the book. I would say. Oh, absolutely. And Chris, as somebody that's been listening to you since I was a younger, younger sports better, uh, you know, I've learned so much stuff from you and, uh, it's just been a pleasure having you on the show and listening to you, you know, for the last couple of years. I mean, you've really done a lot for the, uh, the industry. Well, thanks guys. And, uh, you know, Brock, I've met was it four years ago, Brock, is that how long it's been? Yeah. 2015. That was my first Jeez, super contest. Man, yeah. Good Lord. Time's flying. Time keeps moving. We keep standing still, but time keeps moving. Hey, you said it once on the on the uh, podcast. You said, Father Time, undefeated. What is he, like a uh, thousand and all? I know. Yeah. He almost <laughs> defeated me this last year, but I'm doing pretty good. Oh, no. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Next time you guys come on, let me know. I'd love to break bread with you or have a cup of coffee or a beer or something like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I need to get this, uh, this copy of the book signed. Oh, yeah, please. Of course. Absolutely. Of course. Definitely. All right, guys, that was legendary Las Vegas bookmaker Chris Andrews, author of Then One Day, 40 Years of Bookmaking in Nevada, and the director of the South Point Casino Sportsbook in Las Vegas. You can follow him on Twitter, at Andrews Sports. Chris, thanks again for calling in. We know this is a very busy week for you. Uh, Enjoy the games this weekend, my friend. Yeah, you too. My pleasure, guys. Really, call me anytime. It's a great pleasure. Awesome. Thanks so much, Chris. It was great talking to you. All right, guys, before we dive into NFL Divisional Round and make a couple picks here, I do want to warn you it's Monday, so we haven't had much time to look into these lines yet. Our guest, Chrissy Andrews, was only available on Monday, so we had to move up the date. Couldn't miss out on a great guest like Chris, especially in uh, Divisional Round weekend. But before we jump into NFL here, why don't we uh, pick the national championship game, Brock, coming up on Monday, January 13th. I think the line opened at around 6, 6.5. You probably got in around then, right? It's... uh, Five and a half now here in New Jersey. What are you looking at? Yeah, well, Chris, actually, uh, the original opener, I believe, was three, and then it got bet up to really? four, to five, to six, to six and a half-ish around there, and then that's when pretty much all the sharps kind of took it from there, and now you see the thing kind of settling around five-ish, five and a half. Still got a whole week to go here with the betting. I'm sure maybe there'll be some people that'll come into town to bet this thing. Could get back up to six. You never know, but I would expect a, an extreme... Uh, sharp buyback there at six again if you see one um, but yeah I got down at the six and a half uh, I think I tweeted about it after the DraftKings contest I had some money in the account saw a six and a half and put some money towards it so we'll go that route and uh, you know if you want maybe combine it with uh, one of these playoff games on a teaser if you want to take Clemson back over the six I'm not going to be dumb this week. I'm going to tell you this time, Brock. Um, I'm loving Clemson, too. I didn't get it at 6. I'm probably going to jump in now when I can. Maybe I'll wait if it does tick back up. But I think everyone's all over LSU. Uh, the hype train is in full effect with Joe Burrow. Seven touchdowns in the first half versus Oklahoma. I don't see that happening again. I mean, it probably is going to be a shootout. I envision whoever has the ball last will probably win. But give me Clemson. Give me the dog. Give me the 5.5. Give me the 6. Go Tigers but in the other way. All right, moving on here to the NFL divisional round. We had some really good information from Chris Andrews there. Uh, What are you looking at? I know it's still, like we said, it's early in the week. Anything sticking out at you at this point? Yeah, Chris, I played two games already. Um, The first game we're going to go to is uh, Tennessee-Baltimore. 
Uh, like you mentioned earlier at the uh, beginning of the show, Baltimore, they've had off. Uh, they're going to be playing the Titans here at home. And the Titans are red hot coming off of that big win in New England. I think you're going to get a very slow first half. I think it's going to be a lot of battling for field position. I think you're going to get two pretty good defenses to go back and forth at each other, maybe a couple field goals, maybe a score. I'm kind of taking the the first half under so far. I think I saw it 23.5 today is what I I took it at. And uh, who knows, I think it might tick down a little bit more. So I like the under in the first half. I think it's going to be kind of a feeling out process there for both teams. Yeah, 23 and a half. I'm still looking at that here uh, on DraftKings, at least. Uh, that seems like a nice play. Minus 108 here, too. It's a pretty decent buy. Yeah, it seems like a lot of points for the first half, especially in the divisional round game. They'll probably be feeling each other out. And both teams like to run, so. Yeah, dude. Maybe the under for the full game, too. Um, if I'm looking at something here early week, I don't want to say that I'm working off a of recency bias, but Seahawks look pretty good, man. Uh DK Metcalf really making a name for himself on the national stage. What a game from that guy. He's a beast. Seems to be developing a pretty good uh, you know, connection with Russell Wilson there. And that guy just never goes down. He's extending plays. He seems like him and Lockett. And they, they, I, on the broadcast, they were saying they have like 108 uh, QBR between the two of them on plays, what they hook up on. It's just nuts. The dude never drops the ball. I like the Seahawks. You're giving me over uh, over a field goal, plus four there on the road. It's going to be cold, yes, but give me the Seahawks and Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch making a name for himself on his second stint with the team. Give me the Seahawks plus four. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that game, Chris. I, I kind of agree with you there. I do think that all year the narrative has been Green Bay is maybe not as good as people think they are, but... Man, they got a dream trip right now, it feels like. Uh, they get the first round by. They get to play at home. They get to play a Seattle team that's been very scrutinized all year as being kind of a smoke and mirrors, not sure how they do it type team. But you can't you can't deny Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. It's a great you know QB coach combo. They game plan well, and Russ does what he has to do to win, which is always something that I like to back in a quarterback as someone that's going to go out on a limb and do whatever he's going to do to try to win that game. And he ain't going to be scared of going into Lambeau. And uh, you got the Packers head coach there, rookie head coach, first playoff game. Um, so true. I could I could see that game breaking down either way. I hope it's a good one. Uh, I kind of lean with the points too as well, but it just seems that everybody's just discounting Green Bay, which seems like uh, you know might be one of those plays where we wouldn't be shocked if they win this game by like you know seven or something like that. Uh, the only other play I made, Chris, I'm gonna uh, I'm I'm going with the. Uh, the old philosophy there of don't bet the futures. If you like a team that you think is going to make a run, just keep rolling over the money line trend. I'm going for it with uh, Minnesota this week. Uh, everything worked out well in my handicap for last week's uh, Vikings thing. Certainly did. Uh, made it look very easy, but I kid you not, was sweating bullets that game, <laughs> hoping for the W. Um, so, yeah, we're going to continue the trend, too. I think I see it around 250. Uh, I'm hoping maybe I could get a little bit higher somewhere else before I, I really go all in on it again. But uh, I'll take the Vikings money line. I think this team is, is peaking at the right time. Uh, I'm not that scared of San Fran. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's first playoff game at home. Uh, Kyle Shanahan first game. They're coming off the layoff. And I think that was a big get-the-monkey-off-the-shoulder type thing uh, for Kirk Cousins uh, winning that game in the Superdome. I mean, all you heard was that he couldn't win the game. And Mike Zimmer, if you look at Mike Zimmer's playoff history, he's had a lot of you know kind of fluky losses uh, once he gets into the playoffs. So this might be the year where they're just getting healthy at the right time and flying under the radar, and I'm going to continue with the Vikings this weekend. Yes, yes, the Vikings. Uh, and don't you have a little uh, taste on the a little futures ticket there? Oh, yeah. I don't know we'll if you want to talk about quiet. that. Yeah, yeah let's okay. keep that one quiet. Well, maybe for another week. round. Yeah. Vikings, I'm looking at plus 280 right here. 280? What on, book is that? On DraftKings right now. Ooh. Good thing I'm, I didn't fire yet. Very, very juicy, the Vikings. The only thing I would say is uh, moving outdoors into the natural grass. That could be. Worries me a little bit, but like you said, they are peaking at the right time. Even Kirk Cousins playing very well lately. So to, to recap our picks here for the NFL Divisional Round, we have Brock Landers looking at the under 23.5 in Tennessee-Baltimore. 
I am looking at the Seattle Seahawks plus four on the road in Lambeau. And we're looking to roll over the winnings from last week on the Minnesota Vikings money line plus 280. Well, we're just about out of time on this edition of the Wager Pager podcast. Be sure to load those apps up this weekend for divisional NFL playoffs. You've got the NBA, you've got hockey, you've got college hoops, you've got it all. And don't forget the National Football Championship for college this Monday, Clemson. Going to try to take down the LSU Tigers. Tigers versus Tigers. That's it for Season 2, Episode 19, guys. Special thanks to our guest, Chris Andrews. Thanks to my co-host, Brock Landers. And, of course, thanks to the guys here at Van Boris Films. And, as always, good luck, happy handicapping, and may the gambling gods look gracefully down upon you. Thanks for listening, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget to leave us a review. And please tell all your friends about the Wager Pager podcast. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wager Pager. Also, if you or a loved one has a gambling addiction, don't be scared to seek help. You can contact the National Council on Problem Gambling at 1-800-522-4700. They're open 24 hours a day, and all calls and text messages are confidential. The Wager Pager Podcast is co-hosted by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers, executive produced by Van Vorst Films, edited by Van Vorst Films, co-produced by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers, created by Chris Rogers and Mercedes Barba. Music by The Morose Project, produced and written at San Francisco Music Studios. Logo designed by John Carbonella. All picks are for entertainment purposes only. These plays are not financial advice.